Hey, welcome folks back to another episode of the Bishy P podcast. Uh, we are moving quickly on to episode number 35, uh, which is again quite remarkable, and we'll keep saying that. Um, but yeah, 35. Our next guest uh, who's joining us today, we are absolutely buzzing, well I'm absolutely buzzing that he's been able to join us, uh, is current FIFA and Scottish referee, Mr Bobby Madden. Bobby, how are you doing? Very well. No, thanks for the invite. It's uh, much appreciated. It's good to get the opportunity to, to communicate in this fashion. So, no, no, I'm delighted to, to get chatting with you. Brilliant. Um, Mr Irvin is not here. Um, he does send on his, his, uh, his thanks. Um, it, it's important to mention at this point as well that it's, it is true, the rumours are true, that Mr Irvin does have posters of Bobby Madden in his bedroom. <laughs> uh, Boys, I don't doubt that. <laughs> Uh, we are also joined by Mr Johnson. Mr Johnson, how are we? Hello, I'm doing well. bit cold uh, outside, but other than that, doing well. <laughs> Superb. Uh, and we're also joined by ex-pupil and current referee, Mark Dixon. Marky boy, how are we? Not bad, yourself? I'm, I'm doing well, pal, I'm doing well. Um, Bobby, it, it wouldn't be the same if, if we didn't come prepared. So to make you feel a wee bit more kind of welcome, what we've decided to do is, is to wear the, the referee tops today. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Honestly. The, going in that colour, going in that colour of Mr Johnson, he's getting a red card for that, by the way. Listen, I'm in the base, just the PE base just now, Bobby, and the lights just go off if you don't move in them, so I'm going to need this. I know, I tell you. But funny enough, I actually wear my kit. No, I don't. People <laughs> think, ah, these referees, they wear their kit everywhere, but no, I don't. We're all right. That is quite appreciated. Superb. Um, I'm going to kick us off, Bobby. Uh, we want to start off with your kind of school career. Yep. What was it like? Did you stay on to kind of fifth or sixth year? What was your experience like? So, school, um, I stayed on to sixth year. Um, I'll, I'll tell you why in a minute. So, I, did, did I apply myself at school? Probably not. So I was I was a junior international athlete. So see, when I was at school, I was only focused on my running. Um, and that's not, not the right thing to do. I think I think you need to appreciate there's, there's other opportunities. But I was just so focused on it, training hard and, and, and trying to achieve in that field. Um, I wasn't a difficult pupil. Uh, my concentration could have been questioned at times, I'm sure, my application even. Um but I did enjoy my time at school, but I stayed on. And, and probably the main reason I stayed on is because I wanted to continue to compete in the Scottish Schools Championships and eventually try and win a gold medal. Um, they're always at the um, Grangemouth every year, the Scottish Schools, and the cross-country were always here at Irvine Beach. Um, so I only ever got up to fourth in the cross-country and I, I only ever got a silver in, in the, on the track. But I was just, let's like say, I was, I was absolutely, my, my whole life is shaped around athletics. And then, and even thinking about leaving school, um, I just I'd, uh, went through the process to go in to become um, a PT in the RAF. So yeah. I started going through that, that process. So I was just, that was my pathway. I loved my running. Um, I enjoyed looking after myself, staying fit. And I thought there's an opportunity. There used to be an office in, in, the, in the RAF in Glasgow City Centre. I went in and went through the process. Starting the process, unfortunately, I was in an accident. Um, so then I stopped kind of on that journey in terms of following, pursuing the RAF. And then at that point, I was kind of stuck and what to do after school. But 
Get back to the place at school. Like I say, I enjoyed it. My favourite subjects, P, fun enough, and I'm not just saying that. Um, I think who doesn't enjoy P? Because I was a runner, football, was I any good? I was all right. I could, um, I was a fullback who could basically run up and down all day with limited ability. But I was, I think the old scoring system, you boys will probably know this, but you get scored out of 20 for three components in P. Yep. So I got 20 out of 20 for my for badminton. I, I think I got to semi-finals of West of Scotland. Um, volleyball, I got 19 out of 20. And I got five for my gymnastics. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I still can't kind of touch my toes. So that kind of, that kind of helped. So in terms of, so I've done my, I think I'd done the second year, the higher came in. So the higher only came in. So, so when would that be? 1990. So that's only when higher PE started. So I, I was only the second year to go into higher PE. Um, <clears throat> I got a B. Um because of my gymnastics, and um, I also got a B for... You sound a wee bit bitter about that, Bobby. Aye, do you know what I think there was... Aye, if I spent my time focusing in, in the, my gymnastics, I might have gone better, but there's also, if I remember correctly, there was a few issues with my coursework. We'd done a, kind of, a coursework and I'd done it in preparation for elite athletes, and let's be honest, I didn't, I would, what I would say, I didn't dedicate enough time to that, and, and I probably failed in, in, in that part. Um Bye. I'd still get a wee bit better about it. And then, so that, so I took on the hires and the three subjects, I didn't really enjoy English that much, if I'm being honest, but I, I, I sat the hire. Um, I mean, and also, I've always enjoyed history for some reason. Um, I don't know if I enjoy, I really liked the, te the teacher we had at Hunter High. Um, and I got a C in history, which I only got three hires. I only sat the three, but the reason I stayed on, honestly, was to, Try and compete in at the at the skills cross country. And I knew I was going to try and go and join the the RAF. So that was that was my my school life. Right. I think Mark's got the next question on some role models. Yeah. Did you have any like favourite subjects at school or like inspirational um, figures or role models? So <clears throat> at school, I mean, in terms of inspirational figures, um, I mentioned the three. I mean, I, I, everybody enjoys P. I think generally. Um, no, I've the majority, I would say. But history, I don't know why I had an interest in that. Knew if I go back to school, I would really be interested in geography. And I mean about the logistics of geography in terms of locations and things. I don't know in terms of clouds and all that. That's no, no my thing. But That's um, people would say you're up in the clouds all the time. <laughs> I think they would be far off it. Um, but I would probably, if I could go back, I would definitely go and learn a wee bit more about that because that interests me now. But at the time, P and history... And in, in terms of role models, it's difficult. I was, um, in terms of role models at school, the, our, our um, head teacher was a, a, a gentleman called Dr. Wardle, and he was a, a great guy. And I actually looked up to him. He really supported me with everything I wanted to do, to do in terms of athletics, um, arranging time off, support me, getting to kind of um, events and things like that. Um, so he was he was a guy that really supported me in terms of for my school life. He was a guy that I absolutely respected. Uh, Mr. Beatty was was a PE teacher who kind of was very supportive as well. But away from that, in terms of I didn't really have any role models away for 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 school. Um, obviously, I was raised by my grandparents for two years old, so um, I had a different upbringing. It was fairly strict, you know. I mean, I I came from the background where my granda would throw the slipper onto the middle of the floor, and that was my warning to, to start behaving. Um, so that, that that's got pros and pros and cons. I'm sure the the, the way that we're, we're brought up nowadays is different, but it didn't do me any harm um, at the time. I didn't think so anyway. So so I, in terms of role models, but in terms of who I looked up to. 
I got asked an interview question once going for a job and it was um, three dinner guests. I remember that. And it said, who would you invite? And I remember it. One was Neil Diamond because I was brought up my grandparents. They love Neil Diamond and listen to it all the time. So I love, I know that the jazz, I could practically recite the jazz singer, the movie. You've probably never seen it right, but it's good. I don't, I don't um, it's, it's so great. So it'd be Neil Diamond. Um, and it was uh, Eric Cantona, who, I, there was just something about Eric Cantona. I mean, I actually used to wear my, my school shirt collar up, walking about thinking I was cool. <laughs> Honestly, and I absolutely was never cool at school. Um, but I, with a tie on, aye, so that kind of didn't work out for me, but I'd done it. So I, and it was something about Cantona, in front of the other person was um, Zidane. And it's funny, it's two French players. I don't particularly like French Football. I, I've never really had a great um, relationship with French people when I've gone there. I go in and do my games. And French folk aren't they my favourites, let's say. There's something about the guys. I don't know if it was just the fact that they had a wee bit about them, you know. They had that. They were very talented. I love the way they played the game. I even love the way they had... They stood up for themselves in a certain way. Like I wouldn't condone any of their behaviour in some of their most high-profile incidents, but, you know, everybody's got a breaking point, haven't they? But I just liked the way they played the game and I liked that little bit of attitude. Um, but that was how I answered that question for a job many years ago. If you asked me that question, it might have changed. might yeah. have changed, but um, that was who it was way back then. Superb. Mr Johnson? Bobby, did you have any jobs growing up? So when you were at school, did you have any part-time jobs just to keep you, you going? I So I had a paper run in the morning and a right. paper run at night, so... And I think that was good. I remember, I, God, it was a, a Sony Walkman. You know, I remember the old Walkman. The young yeah. team was like, a what? <laughs> so I, the Walkman, I remember putting REM automatic for the people. And, and I'd walk my paper on you inside out. And that got me out my bed early. Go, and by the way, good for discipline, good for you need to work to, yeah. to, to, to get money to go and do what you like. <clears throat> I remember I, get, I think I got seven, seven pound a week. I think the way back then, I don't know what seven quid will get the young team. Now the young team, but seven pounds a day to school. Um, and I remember every week. So I used to in the Wednesday Athletics Weekly came out, and that was about a pound fifty. So the 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 guy for the shop gave me the Athletic Weekly on the Wednesday, and then took it off my my kind of my pay at the end of the week. And then I done the evening times run it at night. Um, there are other newspapers available. I need to always say that, <laughs> didn't we? Um, so I done that night. So. But I just, I always had an energy about me. I got up and I bother, I got out and done my paper run. Then after, I would run home for school. Half my primary I went to was literally only about four or 500 metres for the house. So I would run around the road, run around my paper run. Um, and then even when I went up to, to Hunter and I had my paper run, I would run, it's maybe two miles through, so I would run home. I don't know, I just, I always had a lot of energy. And Joe, doing these wee paper runs and getting that bit of money, allowed you to buy the magazine you wanted today, what you wanted today. Um, but in terms of behaviours and structure, it, it, it was good. Um, I don't even know if paper runs are still on the go, <laughs> the go now. Um, but, I, but I always remember the, the guys at school that done the milk run, they were the right hardy guys, weren't they? They were going to the guys with the crates of milk, you know, the, the big shooters, they were the boys you wouldn't fight with. Um, but I, I was never built for that. I had my wee paper run. Actually, every the, the first Sunday every month, the, the, the Sunday Mail and the Sunday Post would give you a free magazine. And I kind yeah. of left it all, so I actually had to borrow my grand's trolley, you know, the, the old lady's trolleys, and fire all the, I had to take all the paper from it my grand's. She helped me pack it, and we had go in my, my paper run, so I, so some valuable lessons learned there. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, my next question then is just about your journey into refereeing. How did that come about? I so, <clears throat> I suppose it's quite long in terms of um, athletics, 
as I got that injury, like I said, I was knocked knocked down um, by a car at the back of John Wright's when I was probably 19 or something. So I had a few injuries for that. I, I ruptured the capsule on my shoulder, a few injuries with, with my knee. Um, and I came back after a short period of getting treatment and things, but I, I was never really the same um, in terms of being able to compete at a particular level. Um, it's funny people now talk about they're trying to run this time for five. Can you remember at the start of the lockdown one, it was like I'm doing this time. So my, my personal best time was 15.45, right? So so it was decent, right? It was decent. Um, and it's funny when I look at the, the times for because people question that. So I've only actually got proof of a 16.15. So I've got a screenshot to a magazine, a six, but I have got a 15.45. It does exist. I just can't find proof of it, but I have got proof of a 16.15. Um, so I was all right, but I, when I came back for that, the injuries, I never, ever um, fully recovered. It just summed in if you always felt a wee bit uncomfortable. So in all the years of missing football, playing football, I played with school, um, <clears throat> but I never really played with boys club as such. I was so kind of focused on the running. So I then started to play Weekly Thistle under 21. So a few of my pals played there, so I played with them. Um, and I played there for couple of seasons, went well, enjoyed it, good getting into that kind of team environment, you know, and with your pals, I'd missed that. But I played, it's ridiculous, I played in the Churches League in a, a Saturday morning, so it kicked off at 10, then I would go and play with the, the under-21s in the afternoon, then I'd play Sunday League in the uh, Burnside Amateur Football League, so I'd play three games a weekend, and sometimes I'd play fives on a Sunday night, so I had all this energy to burn, I missed that kind of part of your life probably for 12 to 18 when guys are out with their pals so I really just flooded my life with playing football um, so that was great I enjoyed that and I think then after I stopped playing with the 21s I continued to play the other two and I played WKYM um, kind of amateurs <clears throat> um, and that was alright and then I happened to just see an advert in the UK News just uh, advertising Glasgow Referee Association looking for referees got in its Rathby Junior 10 week course 20 quids and I happened to mention it to my brother, who he said, ah, I should try it. And he then said to one of, his, one of his friends had a son who was about 12 and could never get referees. They struggled to get referees for their games. He said, they're 10 o'clock on a Sunday morning. I said, well, I could do that. I'd, I've never drank. I still have never drank alcohol. Um, I work for a whiskey company, but I've still never drank. I've got barrels behind me there. But um, <laughs> So I thought, you know what, I'm up on a Sunday morning. I've got all this energy. My pals are lying. A wee bit worse for wear. I've got sort of time that you fill there. So I said, I'm going to pass this course and I'll go and do these games. So went to the course, they invited you to come along to training, um, association meetings. So I passed the course. I'd done a couple of games for, for uh, my brother's pal and then very quickly I was put into a league. Um, I was put into the lifter league, so in Lanarkshire. Um, so that was started off at the under-13s. I always remember the first game was in Bishop Briggs, uh, Hunters Hill Parks which has all changed. Now, when I was up there recently, we had another podcast, my, my debut podcast at the start of lockdown, um, with we Sai. And um, that was it was quite an experience, you know. I've spoken about it there, and you just don't realise how much pressure you're under, you know, in, in that environment, you know, and the responsibility. Um, I spoke about it then. There was a foul. I'm running up and doing the site, the touchline, just trying to stay out the way, you know, getting hit for the ball. Um, trying to redeem where should I be, and the foul went in, I went, oh, he's clattered him, then, oh, I'm the referee, I need to give that, and it was just getting into that role and taking that responsibility, it was really, it was it was, it was challenging, um, and I even say to folk now, the most difficult time in refereeing is those early, early years, isn't it, 
going to a, a Premier League game, a Scottish Cup final, whatever it is, it come, that comes with scrutiny, a different kind of scrutiny and pressure. But when you're at the yourself as a young um, individual or even a, um, a more mature individual but with no a lot of experience, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a challenging place to be. Um, so I was lucky. So I passed the course in the, the December. The first game of Hunters Hill was in the, the January and I, I finished the rest of that season in, in the kind of under 13. Eventually, towards the end of the year, I, I kind of had um, complete a couple under 18 matches and I was lucky enough to get put into the West of Scotland under 21s which is a very well organised league very supportive of the referees good discipline good structure big big teams Campsy Blackwatch and like Knightswood that was East School Brides league as well so it was it was great So and I only had a year in there then went to the juniors and then once you progress for the junior that, that's you essentially on the kind of the pathway you become a category four um, and then so that you start off a category seven, so you're always progressing. But once you're in the juniors category four, you start to get formal observations and you come through. So, but for start for starting to becoming a category one, it took me five and a half years. So I think that's joint quickest way. Another former category one, Eddie Smith, who came in late after a fairly decent junior playing career. I mean, I didn't have that, but he had a lot of experience. He was a high-ranking police officer, so he had other skills. And so me and Eddie went from passing exam to, to making to category one in um, five and a half years. That that's seen as quite quick. Um, then you've still still had a couple of years until the end of the Premier League. Um, that was my kind of my kind of pathway, and obviously it came, didn't come through its challenges. Um, a couple of times I even thought about chucking it. My third game uh, was an under fifteen game in Mount Ellen, and uh, all kind of things going on. Three off, both managers removed. Things ha- happen off the ball, and just with a lack of experience, don't know how to control the situations, where to be, where to look. It was it was really uncomfortable. Um, what age were you at that time, Bobby? Sorry. What age were you at that time? I was twenty-four, um, and that's why a massive credit to anybody who's going into refereeing at sixteen. You, know, you can set the course at fifteen, because at twenty-four, I had a wee bit about me. I had a little bit of life experience. I played football. I was, I I was thirteen or fourteen stone, but I, I mean, still, when you're going out there as a, as a young man or a young female. Um, it, take, it takes it does take a specific mentality and personality to go and deal with that, and um, I have a lot of, a lot of respect for the for the younger individuals that take it up. See, just uh, on top of what you were saying there, Bobby, about yourself and another referee who managed to to climb the ranks really quickly. Do you think that goes back to you having quite a lot of experience and a background in football? I think I honestly think I'm playing junior. I think so. I mean, I think I didn't make it to the juniors, but I played it at 21, so I understood yeah. the game. The biggest, yeah. my biggest asset was was no doubt my fitness. So I turned up to, they said, come to association training. So they went to association training. For us, it was normally at Newton Mearns, but one week it was, uh, Newton Mearns was, uh, the school was closed, so they moved it to school Bride. So it was a track, so what they done was a mock fitness test. It was old Cooper test. Yeah. So the test then, which they run 2,700 metres um, in 12 minutes. So I'm thinking, that's a canter. So I went up and I ran 3,600 metres. And I remember the, the high-profile referee there was Mike McCurry. Mike McCurry ran 3,200 3, metres and I lapped him. And I remember on the past, I don't need to do too much, son, kind of thing. And I'm thinking, he's just trying to clip my wings here. Um, but I'm thinking, I'm fine. I'm comfortable on the way. And that kind of, I think, got me recognised, you know. And I think if you talk about Eddie, come in, Eddie was a high-ranking police officer. got all that man management, all these skills and experiences developed over the years. But for sure, if you get an understanding of the game, the biggest thing for me was the fitness. But if you've got an understanding of the game and you know how to talk to folk, if you have got, same as teachers, teachers are teachers because they've got good relationships, they're good at establishing relationships, managing people. Um, 
if you've got that knack, as a knack into, um, then I think you'll go on better. What would you say your, your professional career has been like in terms of a, as a whole, as a pitcher ball, when maybe juniors to, to senior? I so in terms of in what, in what way in terms of how it developed how I developed skills what's funny because I think see both my my refereeing um, development and my professional development as I said so I basically left school with three hires thought I was going to go into RAF it didn't work out so um, when I left school I took up a wee part time job in, in the co-op but just as a, a sales advisor because um, like I said I'm not going to say it, my world didn't collapse at all. I was still focused on my running at that point, but I took up that role. Then I realised that wasn't working out for me and the running kind of stopped. I then became a supervisor in the, in the co-op. Then I got a role in um, Morrison's Depot down in Bells Hill, 1,200 folks site. So I, get in, I went in there just as, a, as an auditor. Um, and then, so, that, so what happened was I was an auditor there and I was also started my refereeing. So I, that helped me. And then a job came up as a supervisor in the and Morrison's, and I remember the, the, the interviewing manager said, here's a guy that can go and handle Auckland Lake Cumnock, yeah. so surely he can come and handle 40 forklift drivers and pickers and loaders, and that kind of allowed me my first step into management, and ever since that, I've progressed, and I've, I knew I was a project manager, my last role now, I'm kind of the kind of distribution manager for a, for a whiskey company up in Elgin, so it developed, and I think the skills I've, I've, I've learned in both um, definitely assist um, both roles, um, but in the juniors, you know, I was still relatively young. Would have been twenty six. You've got really experienced players there coming down for the for the seniors. You've got young guys that are really talented trying to go the other way. So you're trying to manage those kind of personalities um, as a fairly inexperienced and kind of no twenty six isn't particularly old, is it? So I so that that was a challenge. But I think you just you grow into it, you know, with refereeing. Um, and then just as you get experience coming through the juniors, I was only I only refereed in the juniors for four years actually total. Then I went into the kind of third division and had about a year in there. Was that um, sorry? Was that was that a slow four years or was that a quick four years? It, it was quick. I mean, I've had pals that were in the juniors for ten years, you know. Uh, and so basically, you went to juniors for one year and you're only refereeing the juniors. And then you after if you get that stage, you get the opportunity to become a captain. But you run the line in senior football. Right. So I've basically in the juniors, I'm refereeing there. Then I'm running the line in the still refereeing the juniors, but run the line at senior football for another two years. And then the the last year I ran the line. Sorry, I was referee the kind of Premier League reserves. So that's category two. That's the last stage. And I was only at that category. So I was lucky. So I was basically category four for a year, category three for two years, category two for a year. So that, that was quick. That, that was very quick. And you know what it's like. You know, it's like having it's competitive and, and you're trying to come through. Um, but you just had to apply yourself. And, and I, had, I get watched in the right games and decent performances under the right supervision. And I came through. But then you start again and... and, and League two and just try to develop yourself. And it's funny now, I mean, I'm in the Premier League now for about 11 years and people say, I see the players calling you by your name. I said, of course they call me by my name. I've been about for this length of time. I call them by their name. So just with experience and becoming a wee bit more established, it does get easier, there's no doubt. Marky? Uh, would you say, like, what would you say is like the highlights of your career so far anyway? So highlights... Um, it's difficult because I think when I started, my first aim was because I never played for EK Thistle Juniors was to, I say, I want to referee a game at the Show Park, which is the home of EK Thistles. It's not particularly <laughs> attractive venue. It's a, 
it's a park um, which is always waterlogged and it's got a, a kind of stone, stone, stone wall in about it. But so I managed to do that. I didn't realise at the time the committee I couldn't actually referee them because I was face school bride. So I managed to do a friendly there. So at one point, so I ticked that off. So that was good. Um, but then as you start, you'd, I always say this: anybody goes into refereeing, I don't think there's any refereeing. Think I'm going to go and referee in the Premier League. I'm going to referee in the Champions League. So I suppose as you progress, your your your, your kind of goals change. Um, so when I came in, let's say, I, when I got to referee there, I was happy. Then I thought, I'd love to get to the juniors. So I, I was lucky enough to referee Arthur the Paul Candock and like coming up games, fantastic experience. Um, and then you start to think, I've got a chance of making to category one. And then everybody who's got aspirations of getting to category one at that stage, you want to referee a cup final, um, referee the derbies. I mean, Old Firm, Edinburgh, Dundee derbies, they're all massive games, massive games. So you probably want to achieve them. So I would probably say the highlight at that point is in the cup final. I, I refereed Celtic done the 18 the League Cup in 2015. Then I refereed Celtic the Aberdeen Scottish Cup final in the, the invincible season. You can imagine the pressure that came with that. You know, a team trying to achieve a treble in an undefeated season. So that was a good experience. But then at that point, I was developing in, in, in FIFA as well. And at that point, obviously, you, you, you dream to referee in the Champions League. It's, it's the biggest club competition in the world um, which I've thankfully done what have I, have I done now six Champions League games about 30 Europa League games so if I, if I was to say probably Scottish Cup final and probably refereeing probably Barcelona and the, and the Champions League because um, I think they're seen as one of the, the the best teams of our generation you know and they were still together at that stage you know it was it was Messi, Suarez um, I or the, the kind of top player What's that like, Bobby? Because like, I don't, I don't know for me, but if I, I'm watching these guys in the telly, then that's my night, yeah. You're there and you just treat them honestly like anybody else. It's strange. I, I'm just so focused on the decision. You, you remove the personality. That's the same with the games in Scotland. You, you know, it's it's a decision. You make a decision. It doesn't matter who the individual is, what strip it is. You just need to judge a decision. And it's the same with, with the kind of players, you know, um, I mean, you're talking about some of the most famous players in the world and um, you're trying to manage them and guys like Busquets who question every every decision, um, PK the same and, and it's try and it's different in Scotland. You've got a certain level of respect and acceptance. You don't with these guys. They don't care about some wee referee for Scotland, you know. So you try to establish yourself very quickly and that's just about gaining that trust and saying, right, I've got the authority, they've got credibility in your decisions and then you can uh, win them over just through the course of the game. But in terms of dealing with that, these personalities are can be challenging, but when you go to some countries like Eastern Europe, I mean, if you go into the, 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 the Balkan or Baltic states and then you go into Greece, Cyprus, Turkey, every game's a challenge. You know, every game is 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 is, is, is difficult because um, you're starting again and you're trying to establish yourself. But go back to Barcelona, to be on a pitch with all the kind of top players, um, it's great. So when I, when I look back, when I, when I finish, I'll, I'll probably, I think before the game, there was a... Uh, say no to racism campaign. So we have each of the captains had um, their parents. So I've got a picture directly between. So I mean that's something you'll look back on, wouldn't you? And see that was a, that was a nice um, nice experience. See when you're right in the thick of that, Bobby, right in the middle of the game, is is it just? Can you just see the the difference in the quality and the speed of the game? Aye, a wee bit. Um, and by the way, I, I I love Scottish football. And as any yeah. of my my pals laugh at me. See these Super Sunday games like. Arsenal playing Man U. I wouldn't. I don't watch. I, I've not watched match today probably about five years. I've not watched a full English game in years. My pal slaughtered me last year. I think 
Arsenal were playing Man U or Liverpool, I can't remember. But on Alba, Airdrie were playing Forfa. I watched that on Alba. Fair enough, I put the, I put the pure on mute. But <laughs> I, I'm, that's Scottish football. And people can be critical of Scottish football, right? But it's passionate, it's played with intensity, it's fairly honest. Um, and I think when spectators are in, it's all, every game's got a, a great atmosphere. Even there's only kind of 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 folk. There's a nice edge to our football. And anybody who comes to our board, the foreign referees, I speak to the company referee, um, our, our team's... In, in European games, love it, love it. I mean, going to any team, Kilmarnock, Muddle, whoever it is, they, they absolutely love the experience. But when you go abroad, it, it's the pace, and the, the yeah. counter-attacks is the biggest thing, you know. It's it. We get coached, believe it or not, we get, so for Europa League and Champions League game, we get like tactical experts who give us an hour's briefing um, on how they set up during the game, what's yeah. a lost ball reaction, how do they set up at set pieces, I mean, you wouldn't believe the detail. I'll send you the document to review one of them. It's, I mean, it's, it's remarkable, the details. But a 45-page document on, so if it's this player taking the corner, he normally hits it to the front post. It's this player taking it with this foot, it's going here. And I need to be honest with you, for some people, that level of detail works, right? That's not the kind of individual arm. And that goes probably back to my school, right? But um, for me, I like to just, I think you could probably preempt too much, but I mean, some information is good. Like if you know you've got this winger that plays with Villarreal, that he always cuts into his right, so you know what? So you don't need to worry about him crossing. You can be in a things like that help me in terms of positioning. But the amount of detail in this document is is remarkable, um, and it's just about um, let's say lost ball reaction, um, counter attacking style, playing style set piece. I mean, it's just it's. I'll, I'll send you it through. You can have a have a look at it. Um, but that that's not really for me. But when you're in the thicket. Aye, you're like, you see some of the skills, you're like, wow. I mean, I've seen, been lucky enough to see some um, talented players. I mean, people often say, who's who's the best player? And I've been lucky enough to be on the pitch with Messi and, and Ronaldo. Um, on the day, they were all right, but they weren't the best individual performances I've seen. Um, if you ask me personally, who do I prefer Messi? Because I prefer that style of football, the dribble and, and that kind of control. Um but individual best performance was was Falcao, you know, Atletico Madrid. He was just unbelievable. I mean, un I mean, that's a guy that was much shorter than me. He must be only five eight or five nine. But the way he attacked the ball and there, his timing, his touch, he'd a finish at this Madrid Atletico Madrid game, um, was just exceptional. Another one was uh, Vidic for a Serbia an international match. Admittedly, they were playing Lithuania, but I've never seen a guy who was so willing to accept the ball under so much pressure in any area of the pitch, two and three players on him, he would just demand the ball, one touch, composure. And I remember watching that in the game, I think this guy's on another planet, you know. So you do notice a difference, but as I say, I would never be critical of Scottish football because it's got a lot of positives. Marky? Um, I just want to ask on that, see like when you're in the big atmospheres and stuff like that, do you reckon that um, affects your refereeing as opposed to just now where there's no crowds in? In the games or anything like that? It's a good question. Um, because football fans will let you probably lead you to believe that they're influenced by players and spectators. Honestly, you don't have time and you'll know that market is just coming through now and, and learning your own trading refereeing. <clears throat> You're so focused on that decision, honestly. Is it inside, outside, is it offside? Is it a penalty? Is it handball? There's so much to think about, so much criteria to give consideration to for various decisions that you can't allow yourself to be influenced. What I would say is when crowds are there, it might draw your attention to something. It might off maybe potentially off the ball or if you get that kind of reaction. And the biggest change with it is 
I think the players aren't reacting in the same manner. I would honestly say that. Mm-hmm. I done the opening game of the season this year, um, <clears throat> Aberdeen Rangers, which is a volatile fixture, you know. And um, I remember there's only one goal in the game, and Ryan Kent get put through. So he's through one and one, and you could hear the bench shouting instructions to him. So to take your time, take your time, and you think that just wouldn't happen. In a normal game, the full stand behind the goal would be up, the away fans would be up. And in that game, there was another couple of instances maybe in the, in the penalty area where there was a, a stramash, you know, a good Scottish word. And probably all the players normally, because of the crowd, might end up piling, but that's not happening. So I think maybe the players reacted more than, than the referees. Yeah. Just following on from that, um, would you say there's been any low moments in your career so far? Yeah, I think uh, I think any time you make a mistake, right, seeing the current environment with social media and everything, it's, it's not a nice place to be. So you need to remove yourself for that. I'm not on social media, <clears throat> on Instagram, only Instagram, like, um, almost a year ago, to try and encourage folk to come into referee and to try and... Well, but I think it's great. Honestly, I think it, I actually follow you on Instagram and I think it's brilliant. I think it's just great to see the, a different... I'm the person that it's like you're trying to show them. I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're individuals who have got jobs and families and everything else. Aye. Um, I, I set that up to try and encourage folk to come into referee, and, and, and I think it's been fairly successful. But because of the, the environment with social media now and the culture, it, it's not a nice place to be. Um, <clears throat> so you remove yourself from the kind of Twitter side of that and probably Facebook. Um, but in terms of low points, I you'll still see. Articles in the paper. I mean, I, I read the papers. I mean, I, I read the papers because I, I want to see what's going on in the world. So, and if, if you happen to be a reporting your game, but I wouldn't. What I would say is <clears throat> their opinions are so often incorrect, you know. But so they they maybe say, "Ah, oh, this was a clear miss penalty." When it's absolutely no penalty, or they're saying it's a incorrectly ward hand ball when it fits every bit of the criteria. So take a lot of pinch up. But I know, and I say that to managers or players, like I know when have a bad game. I know when there's things that need to be looked. So in terms of real low points, I'll go all the way back to 2013. I had a poor game. I had two really poor games. One of them was Dundee St. Johnson. I had refereed a game on Thursday. It went very well in Europa League, Sevilla v Standard Liège. It went well. Um, but I came back and I just didn't feel right in the start. I felt tired, travel, all the pressure. I didn't perform well in, the, in, the, in that game. But the other game was more high profile. It was St. Mirren v Celtic. Celtic, I think, were well clear in the league. But if they could win this, they could have won the league at home the next week or something. And uh, there was two or three decisions that were wrong, and it was the first time I ever get put really into the spotlight. It was Easter Sunday, I remember I went out um, with my family for for dinner after it, and I'm like, everybody's like, have you seen this? Have you seen that? And it was, uh, it was quite, that was quite kind of difficult to take. But it's how you cope with that, you know. And you know, see, see if, see as long as the abuse isn't personal and it's fairly measured, and there's no question your integrity or anything like that, then fine. You take it on because I knew I didn't perform as well as I would like. Um, but the story of that one is uh, my pal Colin Stephen, who's known at Refn Premier League, it was his stag do that night in Dundee. And I, I remember I left the, the dinner early to go and prepare for that. And I went home and I'm like, well, I go to this, well, I know. Um, but fun enough, there's a guy <clears throat> saying to Colin, I'll see him. I said, I'll see him when he comes up here, blah, 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 blah. So I go, I know. But I went up, sure enough, the guy never said anything to me. But we met in a sports bar, and every 20 minutes on Sky Sports, it was just a cycle of my mistakes. And both Neil Lennon and Daniel Lennon killing me, and I'm like, oh man, I mean, that that's you. You've arrived. You're there, and I it's disappointing. So it's how you deal. The one thing that you don't, I don't want to be there again. So, by we're fully focused, we're fully committed. We do everything we can. We we look at um, errors we've made. We try and learn from it. But 
we're going to make mistakes. We don't have the 22 cameras that are at these live games, these angles, slow motion. Um, you, you call what you see. Um, but I, you learn for that. But that. That was a low point. It was a long, a long time ago now, but that still would be the one thing I would say that's been the most negative experience I've probably had. Johnson. Um, so we speak to our senior kids quite a lot about different types of training um, through the, the higher PE course. What, what's your training programme like? Probably what kind of stuff are you doing? I so I put a lot on Instagram actually. So yeah. I, I'm no I'm no one for the gym. Um, I, I tried it um, probably back in 2016. We we're going to Euros. I've got the Euros behind the goal, and I connect into it with Frankie Connor, who Frankie loves the gym. Um, and he's, he's strong. He's only he's only a wee guy, but why he's bench player? I mean, he was, I'm sure he took me just to embarrass me, right? But he um, he kind of got me into it. And I wouldn't say I didn't enjoy it. I did enjoy that. And I enjoyed going with him, but it's just no master of training. See, because I was a runner all my days. My my work ethic and training is about just going to it's a wee bit more control. There's a bit more science behind it now. But my training is all running, even body weight circuits. I would love to be able to have the discipline to go and do that. But I don't. Um, I just, but in terms of running, I'll always do after my game. I have a recovery session, so we get provided sessions by the SFA and by UEFA. You don't need to stick to it; it's an idea, but they monitor our performance. We are polar heart rate uh, uh, monitors, which we submit, and then they analyse the data and we get feedback. So they know for training or no, and they know if we've got the right level of intensity. So I always do recovery the day after a the game. Then you should probably rest, but I don't. I, I like to stay active, so I'll do a kind of five k. Um, interval session, no particularly high intensity. Then I'll start the next day. I will do a high intensity session, which is could be the other day I done forty times one hundred meters, like fairly quick. So what's that? Maybe between sixteen, eighteen seconds, and then running in forty seconds. So you're only getting twenty two to twenty four seconds recovery. So just repeating that. Um, but for me, when the tracks open back up, a favourite session means ten times four hundred meters. But it's funny because when I used to do ten times four hundred meters when I was a runner. I used to do them in sixty two. Seconds a lap now from doing them in the 80, 120 a lap. I'm quite happy. So you need to appreciate I'm about three or four stone heavier and about 20 odd year older. So you need to know your, your limits and all. But I, I, I mean, that's it. I can, for me, it comes down to like, the work ethic for a young age. And I knew I, I want to continue to kind of keep myself um, ticking over. But the balance of high intensity, repeated speed, speed endurance, that's the three sessions I'll do in recovery. Um, that's what I'll do and sometimes if, I, if I've got the time I'll put in a match preparation which is more about agility um, flexibility injury prevention all that's provided to us um, and the sessions are good but what I tell you is that I've got kind of three or four go-to sessions that I just repeat and they're kind of on the Instagram that, that's why I kind of roll because I enjoy them I know what I'm trying to get out of it so um, so I, I whether whether when the gym's open back up I might have another shot at it I don't know but it's unlikely What kind of things are you doing in your Sorry, Mr. McHugh. So in terms of your recovery that you're talking about, Bobby, what kind of stuff are you doing? Is it just like a, something really light or...? In theory, in the better weather, I took up cycling at the start of lockdown once. So in theory, I would go out on the bike, but I'd also do a bit of core stability then, injury prevention, some of the stretching again, which has provided us a lot of the work with the, the bands, you know, these kind yeah. of bands to try and kind of support you in that way. So that's what I would do. But without the... I wouldn't go out on the bike now. So now I kind of do like... A, it felt like running so mixing the pace with 5k on a pitch so it's just varying the pace but it's nothing intense um, and then like I say with the proper static stretch at the end and the core stability and try to do the kind of injury prevention exercise and I think it's important and people say what's well, the one thing you would do to change in your referee journey and 
I relied on my fitness too much. I could run for fun, but you forget as you get older, it gets you so far. That's what I would say. Your, your fitness will get you, I think, once you get to 30, you're already starting to kind of your challenges physically in terms of maintaining that real high level. That's why football players stop generally at 35 into 34, 35, 36, because it does become more challenging. You start to manage your load a wee bit better. So I, I, I wish, I just relied on probably for the committee referee and I thought, I'm fit, I don't need to worry about it. So I probably wish I'd probably trained a wee bit smarter through that period, probably... I 25 to 35. I'm in a good place now. It's all right. But I wonder. I, I was at when was the last time I ran and, and something wasn't sore. If it's no my ankle, my Achilles, my hip, my knee, my, there's always something. So I know that's a wee bit that's old age, but I wonder had I prepared a wee bit better than the kind of years 25, 35, it might be um, no quite as painful at times. Mr. McQuaid does tell us you're as fit as a fiddle, so you're all right. I, I, I'm all right. I'm all right, but it's, um, it could be, it could be better. You know, the fitness tests are there, and the fitness tests, if I'm being honest, are quite comfortable. Um, the kind of the FIFA fitness test we passed domestically. Then in Europe, we've got a single, double, single test. I'm sure Grant would take you through it at some point if you wanted to try it. Um, but it used to be the yo-yo, and the yo-yo was a disaster. I mean, we had to get, 80, get to level 18.2 in the yo-yo, and the young ones watch be 18.2. That'd be fine, but once you get over. 35, getting to 18.2 is a challenge. That starts to get quicker. Plus, when you're 13, 14, so you're trying to kind of turn all the turns. Um, but thankfully, they removed that and replaced it with a single, double, single because they realised referees at the, 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 the upper end of the UEFA scale are older because it takes you a lot of time to get there. So they realised you can't have referees oh. um, doing yo-yo tests and, and things like that. So they changed it to a single, double, single. So there's basically a third the turning that's in the yo-yo, but you've still got the the the, the test and checking, I suppose, your um, cardiovascular capacity. Still you, Mr. Johnson. Um, so over the last couple of weeks, um, Mike Mike Dean has, has suffered a wee bit of abuse. What, what's your kind of thoughts on that? Uh, I suppose that just comes back to that culture again, isn't it? and it's um, it's difficult, you know, because I always wonder what intent is there when they're making these comments or threats or anything. It's absolutely no right, you know. I don't think... Um, I think it's far too easy to abuse anybody. By the way, not just yeah. referees, players, managers. I'm sure probably teachers get it when, you, when people lose it. I mean, it's just no right, you know. There's just this culture of people just think it's acceptable to put a post on somewhere with an opinion, with using foul language or not. Um, for me... The social media platforms need to do a lot more to control that. The first thing that for me this introduces anybody who's got an account shouldn't be some keyboard warrior hiding behind a, a fake profile or a, a picture or something that's no name. For me, every profile should be associated to some formal ID, yeah. be a driver license or a passport. Then people are accountable because um, the new people can see the light and. The, don't get me wrong, I know those channels and the police are doing a lot and the authorities are doing when you get the, these allegations, there is a process where the police can can pursue folk, but it should be much cleaner, it should be much easier, people should know they're accountable and I think that would probably help control it a wee bit. Um, but I, when you hear people getting death, it's happened to a couple of referees up here, and it's, it's no a nice thing to hear, if you think because referees are accessible because people generally know where they train, where they live, they'll know where one of their appointments will be, so there is a potentially genuine threat there. Um so what about from your own experience, Bobby? Like even see just like going to the going for a meal or going to the shops, like have you experienced anything even your no, family? Honestly, I've been lucky. I, I've always said that I've only had one comment, well, actually two now, 
One comment, um, was walking into a supermarket and a guy mumbled something and I, I just turned around and I said, sorry. And he very quickly just kind of walked on. So that, that's fine. Right. Um, another one was actually walking into, a, a, I was lucky enough to be appointed to the uh, Liverpool-Napoli friendly at Murrayfield. So a friendly match and I walked by somebody walking in, we parked away from the stadium um, just because of controls and somebody shouted something, walked by and again, I turned around and said, sorry. And to be fair, he was mere forward thinking, was quite happy to give me mere abuse, but that's fine. I, I don't, that's that's controllable, right? I, I don't like it, and it's no nice. Um, but going out for dinner, I don't drink, so I say I'm not very often in pubs. But I remember I went out for a, a Christmas night out, you know, that year, the year before, with my previous employer, and there was a game on. I can't remember who the game was, and it was funny because there was tables, other guys shooting. Is that a, they were very, it was friendly, it was good banter. Is that a, should that no be VAR? Should is that a penalty? So that's fine, but unfortunately, there's always individuals that might take it a wee bit too far. But no, I've not honestly, I'm very, very fortunate. I've never been in a situation where I've been threatened um, personally or had too much abuse. It'd be like I say, two very small comments, which which is good, you know. And I think, uh, like I say, it's too easy to do it when you feel angry at your own, your phone or your computer. It's a different, yeah. Um, situation where you're actually in person. Brilliant. Um, I'm going to get the next question, Bobby. Um, obviously, Scottish football can be weird and wonderful at times, uh, particularly in the west of Scotland. Have there been any kind of funny rumours that you've heard about yourself? That Oh, I mean, I mean that's a good thing with social media, isn't it? I mean, you can, somebody can say something. There's, a, there's a, a, an ex-Premier, English Premier League referee, who one guy started a rumour about him why he'd been removed for a game had a very similar sound and name to me. Um, and all of a sudden, I had done this. I'm not telling you what I had right. Um, but because he was called Bobby something, and some one person makes up a rumour, and before you know it, it gets like retweeted, whatever it is, they become, that referee's been removed from the game because of this. And it becomes, a, which is ridiculous, and that is the power of social media. Um, but that, that just shows you how dangerous it is, because absolute nonsense, absolute nonsense. But... Because we had similar sounding names, I actually turned up to a game. I was in Dunfermline that week, one of the kind of famous broadcasters said, You'll be glad your surname's no. <laughs> so I, and it just shows you how quickly it can happen. But in terms of, I have not had any that are too bad, but Scottish football is a, it's a goldfish bowl, isn't it? You know, it is. Um, and that can happen so quickly. Um, in terms of funny instance, uh, I have been on game. God, there was a, a junior game. So a PE teacher, I'll call on Stephen. Actually, no, thank me for, for saying that. He's a PE teacher. Um, and he gave a flag and somebody pulled his shorts down. You know, it's just like <laughs> things like this happen in Scottish football. In the same stadium, Irvine, you, they used to have signs out all the way up the street to get into Irvine Meadow, don't park your cars here. <clears throat> but every time soon enough, people running late, jumped in, parked their car, bought folks' driveways. So in the middle of the game, mature lady. In her 70s, 80s, we walked in under the barrier up and started shouting at the goalkeeper because somebody has uh, parked in front of her driveway. I think what's going on. So outside that appearance, need to stop the baby, start with a drop ball, had to find out whose car it was. So these things happen in Scottish football, but um, I wouldn't change it. Scottish football, there is there are things that could be improved, but uh, for me, it's, it's a very positive place to be. Marky? Uh, if you had any advice to give to young referees, what would it be? Um, I mentioned a bit about maintaining your physical condition. I mean, I think that's for, for when you're progressing. But for me, it's about building the relationship 
with, with everybody that's there. And that, that means going in to the changing room, introducing yourself to, to the to both teams and showing that you're approachable, showing that you've you've got that little bit of confidence that you're not going to shy away from them. But you all you're going to change room, you'll find that the, the, there's always one person in every team who's approachable in the technical area. And that's a guy or lady you can go to when you need them. Because at that difficult time, as I, as I mentioned, coming through um, youth football or amateur football, that's where you'll get challenged and your authority will be challenged. And, and you need to be strong with dissent. Obviously, but dissent in the pitch can be managed either by how you respond to it. Sometimes you might need to choose to ignore it, but then when you need to go and deal with it, if somebody oversteps a mark, it's about setting your thoughts. For me, the biggest thing that you control is the behaviour in terms of dissent from on the pitch. And because it only festers increases it needs to be it needs to be nipped in the bud and that goes to the to how you manage people at the side of the pitch. And what I done was I used to run through scenarios. I said, what if somebody said this? And I still did if somebody said this to me, how would I respond? So I basically had a whole catalogue of responses and I just went over them and over them and I wrote them down. And if somebody said something I would have a, a, a kind of a remark. And then if I thought they all set the line then I would I would obviously deal with a formal sanction. But I would think about that, think about managers or parents don't get involved with parents but if parents are getting involved and what I say to them is if they're putting you off your game causing you a problem you need to deal with it because it's difficult it's difficult enough without having that and again that's about being strong and going finding that individual you spoke to before the game and saying it's your responsibility to provide a safe environment for me to officiate in and a safe environment for the kids that are playing or the teams that are playing you need to control them. And if they refuse to move them, you just need to dig your heels in and say, well, if you don't remove them, we're no carrying on. Very quickly, you'll get control. But for me, you absolutely need to um, get control of that because that's what will make a break, especially at the early stages. Superb. Bobby, the, the next set of questions are sort of kind of quick fire. We've named this Bobby on the spot. So I okay. hope you don't mind. No, no, um, I'll start us off kind of with the first one. Um, it seems to be kind of common kind of conversational chat in terms of football at the moment. So VR or no VR, why? Absolutely, yes. Because I think every referee would rather um, errors were, were corrected on the field of play. VR would, VR would also remove this compliance issue. Compliance is quite a kind of um, popular topic at the moment. But VR would remove that because everyone would dealt with on the field of play. If it was missed in by VR, that's it, it's done. But I know there's a lot of negativity with VR and it's been introduced in England and people... We've lost a bit of confidence in it, but if you look at the Champions League where it's been operation for a couple of years now, where I've used it, I used it under 21 championships, I've used it in other countries, it works very well. Um, yeah. It works very well, and I, I think, how many times you watch a Champions League game and you think, that, that VR situation has no, no been handled in, in the correct manner. But so what you need to do is, for me, is you need to agree that the correct level of intervention so, and, and this needs to be shared with everybody. We referees need to know it, it needs to be shared with Players, clubs, officials, and spectators, and people know because there'll be decisions that people will go, I think that's a penalty. I don't think it is. Well, that's right. We're not going to get involved with that. So the two things with VR is the decision's been given and there's elements to support, right? Elements to support. So he's pulled them, but for you, it might not be enough for a penalty, but he has pulled them. So there's an element to support it. So you wouldn't have intervention, even though some people might say it's soft, there's elements to support it. But then if you're only going, if you're going to intervene by... Interview with someone that hasn't 
been awarded. There needs to be clear evidence, but no, a tiny put a clear step on foot, clear contact, like. And I think when you set the parameters, people would accept it. And and I hope that it does come in in Scotland, and hopefully I'll have a, a, a part to play in that because I'm probably the most experienced in terms of VR in Scotland. Um, Willie Collins, the other qualified operator, but he's not had as many games. I, I've been I've been abroad in at tournaments, so. But myself and Willie would be involved. It's how that's shaped, you know, and it's about. For me, it's about the message. You need to know what the message is. You need to know who the audience are, and you deliver that. And then, I think it'd be it'd be, it'd be received in a better better fashion because people are put off because so many people watch English football. And let's and, and they've got their own opinion of that. I don't watch it, so I couldn't really comment. But um, I just know the Champions League and the tournaments I've been involved in. It, it works very well. See, one of the, just just while you were talking about one of the deputies in our in our school. Um, can I suggest, is there a possibility of having a, an ex-player and as well as the referee? So, but how would that go? So who would have the final say? Because ex-player would always be sympathetic and go, he's not really meant to kick him in the knee. I mean, he, you know, he's not really meant to catch him there. He's trying to protect the ball. Um, and then the referee will say, well, I've got criteria that says, did he endanger the safety opponent? Was there intent? Was there and that would be the danger. I think there should be working groups where, and there are working groups where Top top players sit with UEFA and with FIFA and, and talk about the laws of the game. That happens with IFAB, um, so that does go on at that level. But I definitely think there's somewhere there should be more open communication with, with ex players, even current players and, and officials to come to a more common ground. Because talking about is this player going to play? Is this player going to play? And then just with, when guys are filling in their their kind of match cards, um, they'll say, "Oh, this player's playing or that player's playing." But I don't like say I. I really don't like to prejudge. And I mean, a lot of the guys have got like a match card and they'll fill it in. Some of them just put the number, some of them just put, some of them put the number and the name. And then that, I don't write anything in my match card. I don't even write, you know, I don't write cautions doing during the game. I remember them. And that's going back to juniors. When I was a junior, so it went to 11. It was, I know I've cautioned home team um, three, five, and nine. And the away team, I've cautioned five, 11. And the sub that's going to help. and I remember that I just trained myself to, so I didn't, I never ever wrote in my, my notebook, and I've kept that going. But it's more challenging now when it's number thirty three and fifty seven and sixty four, and but I, so I don't, tend, so I don't even write, so I don't look at the team lines. The guys check they're filled in correctly, and I don't write it down. I just go out and whoever's there, I, I just manage, and I, I fight that works for me. Uh, in the main, that works for me. So. Um, but again, I know folk that will study it. They'll know the, the the formation and they'll know how they react in specific situations. But like I say, that's that's not how I approach it. Yeah. Lastly, plans for after football or after refereeing? So, I, it's, um, so like I say, I'm a, I'm a distribution manager. I enjoy that. Um, I enjoy having the opportunity to... I've a real, the, the, my current role is I'm a, a real transformation of the business. So I'm actively involved in improving... Um, processes and systems, so it's great. Um, so I'll probably stay in that. Whether if there's opportunities to go in and, and, and be involved in football full time, I, I don't think they'll really probably be there for me. Um, but would I stay involved? Absolutely. If that's as, as a coach or a mentor, as an observer, yeah. absolutely. You know, I would like to stay involved. I've, I've been how many years now? Too many, 18. Um, so it would be good, but I think what you then you've got to then say, well, Referees are under a massive amount of pressure. You know, you're you're working full time. You've got the pressures of your own domestic situation plus training, then matches away, three day trips, tournaments. 
So probably when you finish, I I would probably do 50-50 in terms of weekends. You know, that's me getting a heads up to the SFA if they get access to this. Um, I don't imagine I would go every weekend. You know, I think I would say, aye, I've got a daughter who's five and it'd be nice to have one weekend together, then one Saturday go and observe and then just kind of maintain it like that. But full-time roles, I don't know. Who knows what happens? Who knows if VAR comes in? Um, there's head of refereeing opportunities, but it needs to be right for you as well because, like I say, I've got a good job. I'm happy. Um, it challenges me the way that I like. I've got an opportunity and autonomy to, to implement and improve her, improve her like. So, no, so all these things. That you, but I'd like to stay involved in some capacity, but if it's full-time, I know it's, it's, um, it's a bit sketchy, but like I say, I'm, I'm fortunate that I've got a full-time position that I enjoy. Yeah. Super. Mark, Scott, any other questions? Oh, that's me. Mark, you brought it up. Bobby, honestly, an absolute pleasure, mate. Oh, um, thank you so much uh, for taking the time out to join us today. It's a massive cop for us to, to get you on here. Um, and it's obviously football football gentlemen. It, it's great to hear from you. So thank you so much. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks very much for having me. Bobby, um, thank you very much. Brilliant. Thanks. Really enjoyed it. Anybody can let me know the feedback. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Check out this episode and all our other episodes on Spotify uh, and on YouTube and on our Twitter page at VichyDE. Bobby, thank you very much. Take care. See you later. See you later. See you later. See you later. Bye-bye.